0: Welcome to Disrupting Obesity. I'm Charlotte Skains and I'll be sharing ways to regain control over your body and lose an extreme amount of weight naturally. Being fat is about so much more than just the food. It's about your relationship with food. That means that dealing with your weight is about more than just the food too. You have to change that relationship. You have to start disrupting obesity. Does anybody else miss Richard Simmons? Because I sure do. I miss the way he made me feel. If you don't remember the sweating to the oldies series of workout videos that he did, they were so much fun. And the infomercials for them, they ran all the time, pretty much constantly in the 80s. Now, you know I don't do exercise. Like I don't teach it. I don't post a lot of fitness type videos. It's not my jam, but that's really not the point. The point is the space that Richard Simmons created for people who were dealing with extreme weight loss in a time when it wasn't a thing like it is now. Obesity rates have been rising for decades. We've gone from 10% in the 50s to like 42% now. By the 80s, around a quarter of Americans were obese. We've had to come up with a whole new classification for obesity. We've got obese and morbidly obese, and we've got super morbidly obese, but now we've got hyper-obesity too. We didn't have all these categories until recently, but even in the 80s, we were still just drowning in fat shaming. It seemed like the whole world wanted to pretend that the obese didn't exist. You could be ridiculed or you could be ignored. Fat was still very much an acceptable punchline. Not that it isn't now, but it's very different and it's far less acceptable than it was. I've been fat shamed plenty. Lots. (laughs) It goes with the territory for most of us, I think. Probably for all of us. I mean, shit, I've been told I'm still too fat to be doing this. So whatever. For me, there's just this one incident that stands out so much, it's hard for me to even think of other examples. And I mean, it's not all about the big stuff, right? It's the micro fat shaming aggressions that can be the hardest to shrug off sometimes. I think the looks and eye rolls and the laughter hurt me more than the people who would openly confront me. Like the time I got called out at the grocery store, checkout for the food that I had up on the belt. That sucked. But having people laugh at you is just so, like it's so brutal, right? And really, though, those micro-shaming aggressions happened so often that they all just kind of blend together. I mean, how many incidents in a swimming pool change room does it take before none of them really seem distinct anymore? But you don't forget somebody screaming at you out of a car window, or at least I don't, and especially not when they circled the block at least twice to do it. This was after I was sick, and it was while I was still losing the 100-plus pounds that I'd gained back of my original 200-pound weight loss. And I was just cutting the lawn. I like mowing the lawn a little bit more than Sean does, and it's way easier for me to push something when I'm trying to recover. So I used my stroller as a walker for years, and the lawnmower did the same thing, but it was just a little bit more challenging. For me, at least, pushing has always been much, much easier than trying to pull something but I'd been working really hard at this point. I was moving well and I only had 32 pounds to go to hit my healthy weight, that's it. I'd already lost more than 70 pounds and this jackass circles my block, comes around and then screams out of his window. And I'm very sure he said, try harder, you fat bitch. And I remember, because it's so goddamn mean, and it's not really the fat bitch part that bothered me. That wasn't new. I'm a and bitch was big in the 80s if you were a little kid. But try harder? Seriously? This guy had no clue how hard I was trying. I mean, I was using my lawnmower as a walker so that I could get strong enough for surgery. I was fucking trying. But I didn't stop. I mowed the lawn. I don't even think I cried. I was pretty stunned though. Like, that's a lot of effort to go to to try and make somebody else feel bad. And it's just, it's such a waste. It's not the worst thing that happened, but it stands out, you know? It would have been so easy for him to roll down that window and shout, you've got this, or anything positive, or to not roll down the window and just keep driving. Either option would have been more kind. Richard Simmons was kind. And you could tell that he actually saw people for who they were, and that he cared. You could really tell that he cared. He wasn't patronizing or dehumanizing anybody, and I think that's the real magic. Making people feel bad doesn't work long-term, and he clearly knew it. He was all about lifting people up. That's the energy we need now, too. Badly. A positivity that's realistic about the work involved and encouraging and uplifting enough to help people keep going. We need realistic expectations when it comes to both the results and the work involved to get there. We need less false hope and less snake oil. We've got to stop pitting the bariatric and the natural weight loss communities against each other. We have so much more in common than we do differences. Extreme weight loss is hard enough without division. The negative motivators have to stop. The pendulum took a really hard swing away from Richard Simmons to the biggest loser era trainers, an age where it all became about breaking people down so you could build them back up. I mean, clearly it made for entertaining TV. I watched it. I missed the first couple seasons, but then I watched it religiously. I'd already lost my weight for the first time, I was living at a healthy weight. And I was completely fascinated by The Biggest Loser. I could really identify with a lot of the people who were on the show. And it was also pretty amazing to see, right? Losing that kind of weight like that was just insane. We hadn't seen anything like it. And then I got sick. And I don't feel the same way about it anymore. And we understand an awful lot more about reality TV and just how real it is, right? Especially the elimination contestant style shows, A lot has come out about what was going on that never made it onto TV, and that changes things too. The extreme exercise was a given. I'm not sure I understood just how extreme it was, but anybody who saw even a tiny bit of the show knew that those people were working their asses off. So I wasn't too surprised when I heard how far some of them were taking it with the cardio. They definitely hid the way people were eating though. And it sounds like they were making things seem a lot healthier on TV than they really were. And the dehydration, which made me think about the wrestlers that I knew in high school who needed to cut weight for tournaments. And then it made a lot of sense. Like I understood why they would dehydrate themselves to those extremes for weigh ins. Not that it was healthy, like it was the total opposite. Some of the things that they were doing were really scary and insanely unhealthy. I don't want to get too snarky here. But I think you can put all of that aside, right? And I think that the biggest losers' recidivism rates speak for themselves. Well, and then there are the former contestants who've come forward to actually speak for themselves too. Breaking people down doesn't work. I realize it's not always the case, but I also believe that a lot of us who battle obesity are in the fight because something was already broken, Making fat people feel worse about themselves when they already feel bad enough is counterproductive and cruel. I'm sorry, but it is. And again, I'm not saying this is universal. I know people who've gone out and looked for and paid for the tough love approach, who say that they need to be screamed at to feel motivated. I'm still not sure how healthy it is, but if that's what works, fine. I just think we need more compassion. I get to have some pretty open and frank conversations with people who are wrestling with their weight. And I'm trying to have more conversations about the things obese people have to deal with with people who have always been healthy weighted. And it's at least as eye opening for me as it is for them. And it's eye opening for me in the sense that I'm shocked by the things that shock them and the things that we struggle with that they have never even considered, never even occurred to them. I thought a lot of these things would be more self evident but you don't know what you don't know. I might've judged some people kind of unfairly for not realizing some of the things that just went along with normal life for me when I was over 300 pounds. And I think we're afraid to talk about these things when we're obese because they're embarrassing or they're deeply personal. And we're already feeling so self-conscious all the time. I was talking with someone recently who was trying to understand what it's like. Some of the challenges that fat people face because they've got somebody in their life who's struggling to lose a lot of weight right now and has actively been trying to get more than 200 pounds off for years. And I brought up how risky eating out can be for us and the anxiety that can go along with not getting to be the person who makes dinner reservations or gets to pick where you're going. If the person who makes the reservations has never had a problem getting into a booth at a restaurant, they might not know they need to specifically request a table and if they don't, it can lead to some serious awkwardness and a real potential for humiliation. But how would you know that if you've always been thin? It wouldn't even occur to you. I mean, why would it? And there are more situations like this than I can list. Group camping trips are great, but do they have a wheelchair accessible porta potty? Because my 338 pound ass had a really hard time squeezing into a standard one without it being super gross. And Who would think to ask a question like that when they're booking the sites? How many stairs are at the venue? How far is it from the parking lot to the event? How much standing is involved? Are there stairs to get to the bathroom? We could come up with examples for days. And they're all things I think Richard Simmons would have thought of. I mean, he lived it too, right? I'm not sure what his top weight was, but he was pretty big. I can remember the pictures that they would show on the old infomercials. In the same extreme way, it was open season on fat people then, it was open season on him too. Shit you would never get away with now on both counts, but it was gross. Fat phobia, homophobia, and I don't even know the word for it, kindness phobia, niceness phobia. He hasn't been seen in years. His publicist released a statement for his 75th birthday last month saying that he was happy and living the life he chooses, which is very cool. I just wish he would shine his light some more, maybe do a podcast. He could do that from home. We just need as much kindness and inspiration as we can get in the world right now because there's an awful lot of the opposite going on. Way too much, far too much. I saw this video on Instagram and I really couldn't stop thinking about it. And now I've seen it a couple more times and I'm still. The video is a clip from that My 600 Pound Life show. And a woman is telling the, oh, wait, full disclosure, I've never actually seen. A full episode of that show because we don't have cable, and what I've seen from the clips on Facebook is more than enough. It's plenty. It's way more than enough. So there's a woman telling the doctor that she's trying to open her horizons to vegetables because she's a pretty picky eater, and he tells her that she's not a picky eater if she's six hundred pounds. Yeah. Okay. How is that helpful? How is that helpful? I don't know where to start. I mean, factually, it's incorrect right? You absolutely can be a picky eater and be fat. I would argue that most of us are picky eaters, probably super picky eaters. I have clients who eat the same few things on repeat, and I know even more people who won't touch vegetables unless they're potatoes and sometimes corn. I hate the implication that if you're overweight, you eat anything in sight. That's not true, and it's not fair either or helpful. Where does the blame get us? I mean, really. Do they think fat people don't know they're at least partially responsible for their own size? Does fat automatically equal clueless too? And I know there's a lot of denial going on with obesity. I really do. I lived there myself for a very long time, but we know we really do. And picky eating is generally associated with not wanting to eat vegetables anyway. So what is this guy talking about? I miss Richard Simmons. I really, really miss him. Keep trying. Keep tracking. Don't be intimidated and don't give up. You've totally got this. Thank you for listening to Disrupting Obesity. If you know it's time to take back control, lose the weight, and keep it off, reach out to me privately with a direct message on Instagram that says, ready, so you can start disrupting obesity.